0: Hey folks, welcome back to Ndabe Africa. This, Africa, this is Chris coming to you live from central Pennsylvania and today uh, I have a special feature, a special guest today, one who people have asked me to bring on the channel and this will be a first for me, I've never interviewed a pugilist, a boxer before, so this will be a first time for me, so it should be interesting. Uh, I think the safe thing, the good news here is that um, he's on the west coast, I'm on the east coast, so if I make him angry, I'm safe, I don't have to worry about him coming after me. But anyway, uh, folks, let's go ahead and get started with. Uh, without any further delay, welcome into the channel wherever you are around the world. And uh, I'm going to start you off right here. Our guest today is Chris Van Heerden. He's the former IBO welterweight champion of the world. Guy's a boxer extraordinaire. We're going to talk for the next hour about his boxing career, about South Africa, and also perhaps about coming to the U.S. And uh, we'll probably touch on some tragedy that that happened with his family. So with that, I'd like to welcome Chris Van Heerden to the channel. Chris, welcome. Got you on mute. Your mute's on. I had you put the mute on. Sorry. (laughs) That's my fault. There we go. Can you hear me? I can hear you five by five. 100%. 100%.
1: So excited, so, so excited to be on the show. Thank you for having me.
0: Wow, that's awesome. Thanks for that endorsement. That's that's the, glad to, glad to know that you're happy to be on the channel. So, Chris, um, former IBO welterweight champion of the world. That's nothing to sneeze at, man. That's a pretty big accomplishment.
1: Uh, you know what? Blessed, hard work, former IBO world champion, former former IBF international champion, South African champion, Africa champion. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a journey.
0: So you had, uh, as if I'm not mistaken, a 31 bouts uh, to your yeah. to your record, okay. And you had uh, what about 14, 12 or 14 uh, knockouts?
1: 12, 12 knockouts, 28, 28, wins, two losses, one draw. And you know the one loss in, over in, in Europe in Serbia was controversy, so I never saw that as a loss. So
0: yeah, no, fair, um, the fair. current
1: the one the one guy who beat me is the current the current IBF WBC world, world champion, Errol Spence from America.
0: No, that's fair. I, it that definitely was a controversial bout. So um, let's see. So when did you start boxing? I think that's the first question we want to ask.
1: The age of six. My father. My father was a professional fighter way back in the 80s. And, uh, you know, I'm one of seven boys. And my dad, my dad forced me. My dad took me to Germany and he said, you will do this. And um, that was it, man. I was six years old.
0: All right, so listen, I I know you're on the West Coast and I'm on the East Coast, but I'm going to have to just interject here very quickly. When you say way back in the 1980s, that's, you know, okay, easy there. That's not that long (laughs) ago. 40 years ago.
1: Forty years.
0: Ago. <laughs> yes, it was forty years ago. Oh, My goodness, it's crazy how long ago that was. Yeah, no, but uh, that was uh, my coming of age decade. Uh, graduated high school in '82, went to university yeah. in '82. Uh, the best music ever, new wave back in those days. So the '80s have a special spot. I went to the. the Base
1: music, I do agree.
0: There you, awesome. There we go. Agree. And also, speaking of green, look what we're both wearing, folks. Both wearing Springboks jerseys. There you go. Yeah,
1: this was not. This was not uh, planned. This is totally just. I thought. <laughs> Hey, this would be good. <laughs>
0: no, that's awesome. But, of course, my audience knows that uh, I'm famous for wearing uh, rugby jerseys on all my live streams. Oh, there and, we go. Yeah, and I, I did a video a couple months ago back in July when, when uh, Sia Khaleesi made some comments about uh, about uh, Black Lives Matter. He kind of alluded to that and talked about his experience uh, coming up in the rugby world. And all these people were talking about cutting up their Springbok jerseys. Well, I've got about 30 Springbok jerseys from different eras. And so, so what I said was uh, – yeah, guys, um, I did a video for about six minutes. I said, uh, you can cut your jerseys up, but uh, see these jerseys? I'm not cutting these I ain't up. cutting nothing. <laughs> that's, like too, that's too much money. That's just crazy, crazy talk. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> so uh, actually, the jersey you have on, I had that on the other day. So I was just telling you before we got started. Okay. So your father got you into it at six. You're one of, did you say one of seven boys?
1: One of seven boys. One of seven boys. I'm the smallest, but I'm not the youngest, but I'm the smallest. And you know what? My dad, at a very young age, knew that you know, in in order, I was a very, um, and I'm still am, uh, laid back. I don't like violence. I don't like the whole fighting thing. I was a very shy kid. I I was scared of fighting. And then my dad saw something in me, and he said, "Son, you're going to become a fighter." And um, age of six, took me to the gym. Didn't want to do it at all. Hated it. Scared of it. But my dad made me do it. I'm very thankful today. It's given me a voice, it's given me character, it's given me charisma, it's given me, you know, I am who I am and I'm doing what I'm doing because of the background of boxing. So, yeah, taught me a lot about life
0: no doubt about it but but so for someone who's not in the boxing profession to me it seems like boxing boxing is a lot more than just it's not just about fighting it's it's about strategy no. it's about it's about finesse it's about outthinking your opponent and also having a game plan does that does that make sense
1: 100 percent i like to say boxing is like a chess match there's so much more going into it you know we study our fighters there's there's reasons why we do things one thing leads to another what well, you do something because you're setting up something you step somewhere because you know if i step to the left, or I step to the right, or I put my foot here, there—that it will lead to something. Boxing is not just about two guys beating each other up. There's there's so much preparation going into it. There's so much more to boxing. It's a—it's a skill. It's a, in a, yeah. You're right.
0: No, absolutely. You know, it's the thing about Muhammad Ali. You know, it seemed to me that Muhammad Ali, a lot of his success was intimidating his opponents outside of the ring. Yeah,
1: that's it. That's him and one other guy. Mike Tyson. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Well, I mean. One other guy, Mike
0: Tyson. (laughs) They won the fight before they even stepped in the ring. And to be fair. intimidated you. To be fair with Mike, if he didn't beat you outside the ring, he'd always bite your ear in the ring, so.
1: (laughs) There we go. I've got some crazy stories of me and Mike. It's it's crazy, but (laughs) that's for another day.
0: (laughs) Well, listen, I mean, people people look at him as such a crazy character, but, I mean, uh, the people I've talked to who've met him said he's the nicest guy. He's a he's a
1: pretty cool guy, man. You laugh you laugh a lot. He makes you laugh, but he is a crazy dude. Um, I, I've had I've, I've had one incident about five years ago with him in the gym, and um, he brought over a kid, one of his kids, one of the guys he was interested in, strong strong American kid. He brought him into the gym uh, for for sparring, and at that time, the guy was one division above me, and I was trained with with Freddie Roach, the legendary Freddie Roach. And Tyson showed up with this guy, pretty strong, strong kid. And Tyson said, Yo, Freddie, I I need someone to spar with with my boy. And Freddie, there was no one else but me. And Freddie said, Yeah, I got this kid from South Africa. And Tyson gave me one look, and I I was way smaller than his guy. And Tyson said, No, no, don't waste my time, man. Give me someone. Give me someone that can handle themselves. And Freddie was like, Hey, (laughs) give this kid a chance. Give him a shot. Just watch. And Tyson was loud. Tyson just encouraged his fighter. To beat me up, he, he was like, "Yo, get get rid of this white boy. Send this white boy home. Knock him out." And it was loud and it was swearing. I was a little nervous, and I thought to myself, "Okay, so so round one, you we we sparring and we we seeing what what you know what what do you bring to the table?" It was a pretty touch and go first round, and uh, and the whole round Tyson was just yelling at his guy like, "Yo, get rid of this white boy. Knock this white boy out." And he was swearing. Round two. He said, okay, Chris, do this, this, and this. So round two, I started beating up Tyson's boy. Going into round three, Tyson was like, yo, white boy, get this man out of here. Send this man home. And Tyson just turned on his own guy in round three. And I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> Such cool stories, man.
0: No, that is an awesome story. I'm sure you've got tons of, you know, as a, as a 36-year Army veteran, a combat veteran, people always ask me to tell war stories. But I got to tell you, what's... are you? Before we go on,
1: yes. before we go on, I just want to say thank you. Uh, from my side, and everyone listening, I want to thank you for for your service and what you've done, and what you've you've risked your life. And uh, I appreciate you, and I thank you for everything you've done. Thank right. you, sir. Wow. You are you are the real, you are the real hero. Not you are the hero. Oh, so thank you. Oh,
0: it's it's very kind of you. I don't know that I'm a hero, but but it's I mean very, that. Very, very kind. I mean of you. I mean that. Bye bye donkey. It's it's very kind of you. Um, it's uh it's awesome that, uh, that people respect veterans. No, um, it's no. really cool.
1: I have so much respect for you. I am no one compared to what you do. So so thank you. Wow, now we, we can to,
0: continue. We, we have to be careful here. It's going to turn into mutual admiration society. <laughs> <laughs> But I want to thank you. No, seriously, thank you very kindly. I appreciate that. Uh, and I lost my train of thought. What was that? Oh, yeah, I was saying. So as a military veteran, yeah, as war stories. People always want to hear war stories. And, you know, some of them are quite horrific, of course. Some are quite entertaining. But, I mean, everybody's got war stories. They've got good stories. And I'm sure you've got tons of them from the boxing world. We'll probably get to some more as we go on. But but that Mike Tyson story, that's pretty good. So your dad got you in this at the age of six, uh, one of seven sons. Uh, down, did you grow up on a farm or did you live in town? Or what was the <coughs> deal? Plot.
1: Like We grew up in South Africa on a plot. Um, pretty, pretty big house, you know, my dad was a very hardworking businessman and so, so very successful and, um, yeah, we, we grew up on a big plot in, 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 Vereniging, just outside Vereeniging.
0: Ah, uh, okay. That's what I was curious about because when I look for your biography online, they're always saying that you were born in Johannesburg or you're from Johannesburg.
1: No, just outside Vereeniging, uh, no. to be exact, Meertan.
0: Okay, Cool. Now, there you know, was, uh, yes, I know where it's at. I've not been there, but I'm familiar with it. Now I've been That's all over it. South Africa, but the, the, there's a few places I haven't been. A lot of towns, of course, but uh, I've never been to, up to Mpumalanga, or I've never been oh. to, I've never been to the Northern Cape. I've never been to uh, Port Elizabeth, Nelson Mandela Bay. Oh wow! But I've been all over KZN. I've been all over the Western Cape. I've been all Houtang and, and Northwest. Been all over those places many times. So, uh, and also in the free state, I've been the free state quite a bit. So there was somebody in here just a moment ago and I don't know, and this is always, I have to ask this question to make sure, and you could tell me or not. Cause when people say that's my brother, sometimes me, that's my brother in spirit, or, you know, that's, sort of <laughs> there's somebody here that says, his name is Kaz Dazzle says, that's my brother. I'm so uh, proud of you. Cass, Dazzle. Yeah. That's my brother from my mother's side. Oh, yes. that's, that's actually your brother then. Okay. That's
1: actually my brother from my mother's side, yeah. Well, Kaz, welcome,
0: well, welcome into the program, Kaz. a pleasure to have you here. So that's pretty awesome. <laughs> he's obviously very proud of you. That's cool. Yeah, he's a good man. Yeah. So, wow. Um, All those... I, I'm the eldest, uh, one of five. Uh, and then steps siblings, is like really six or seven of us total. But uh, so that's total, and I'm the eldest. But I can't imagine seven boys. That, that must have been a nightmare for your parents. I mean, that's, that's a headache.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. You know what? My dad... My dad, was a very, um, my dad was a very strong, aggressive man, leader. He believed in men should be able to defend themselves. They should be able to defend their, their, their wives and, and their families. And So my dad was a fitness fanatic. Um, long story short, my dad was, went to the army as well, but he got thrown out within a week because he was just a, he was just a crazy dude. And, but he was a fitness fanatic. My dad believed that men should know how to fight, protect themselves and then you know and so growing up with brothers we always had to kind of fight each other and you know you, you it was a, it was a, it was it was something it was something my dad always had the one guy the one brother worked up against another brother like he would he would be like hey Donnie Chris is going to beat you on Saturday running he's going to beat you He better not beat you so he'll work us up like that against each other and and that's a whole life and, and that made us strong and then you know that made us made us really tough men i am who i am today let me just say this i am who i am today because of my dad that's obviously awesome. i'm a man i'm a man of faith and then god has blessed me with an amazing parent in my dad but i am 100% the man i am today because of my dad i could not have been or, or done what I've done and achieved without my father. And he's my euro, man. It was my best friend. It was my father, my hero, my best friend. Yeah.
0: No, oh, that's pretty cool. One of my one of my favorite songs actually is one not with, with not with, with not a lot of lyrics to it, but it's awesome. It's by Kurt Darren, yes and legend, talking about his dad.
1: Yes, I love that song. Been, I love that song. It's brilliant. It's a, beautiful.
0: And it's amazing stuff. So, seven brothers, do you have any sisters or just the seven brothers?
1: Are You ready for this? Okay. I've got six sisters. Oh,
0: dear God. What are you guys, rabbits or Irish?
1: I'm, I'm one of 13. I'm one of 13. Long story. But uh, my dad was a, uh, you know, my dad was a customer. My dad, and I'm one of 13. So, I've got six sisters. I always say this to people. Well, I always say this to, to, to girls when I, you know, I go, you know what? I, I've got six sisters. I know. I know how you guys, the mind works, but the moment I think I know how the mind works of a woman, I realize I don't know nothing. <laughs> Even with six sisters. <laughs>
0: No doubt, six sisters. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I, I saw luckily guy.
1: none of them is in fighting. Luckily none of them is into fighting. Because uh, well, women do box,
0: and some of them are quite talented. For yeah, sure. they
1: do, and some of them are dangerous. <laughs>
0: yeah Very dangerous. But uh no, I was saying very quickly. I was, saying, are, are you guys Afrikaners? Or are you Irish Catholics? Yeah. Thir- thirteen kids. Af- no, Afrikaners, Christian. I, I, I know you're Afrikaners, <laughs> but I mean, but you sound like Irish Catholics, or or yes, Afrikaners. You, you sound like Boers from the nineteenth century with thirteen kids. <laughs>
1: Yeah, man, it was, it was something growing up with a big family.
0: I can imagine. Uh, and for me, I, I, I grew up in all kinds of circumstances, including on a farm. I ran a dairy farm as a kid, but uh, as a teenager, but also lived in housing projects and all black neighborhoods. In South and, Africa? No, 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 no. I I actually never lived in South Africa. I've been there like 400 plus times, but I lived in Botswana. But uh, I'm just talking here in the U.S. Yeah, no, I grew up in uh, all all kinds of circumstances here in the U.S. in poverty and then middle class and then back to poverty. So I've seen all kinds of things. It was an interesting childhood, but uh, but not 13 kids. Uh, Five. That was enough uh, hanging around the house. (laughs) Quite an experience. So, um, wow, okay. Do you have to have a, a laptop or a tablet just to keep track of all the email addresses and mobile numbers of your siblings? I mean, and, and are they all Thanks in the Thanks to
1: Facebook. You know what? Thank you to Facebook. They remind you of birthdays. They remind you of everything. <laughs> Thanks to Facebook. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so, no, but is, are, so are your siblings, are they all in South Africa or have some of them moved Everyone, around? you
1: know what? Uh, all my siblings, every one of them are in South Africa. You know what? I, I was always... Um, a dreamer, and then you know, as I, I had the vision when I was 18 years old. I, I knew I wanted to be in Los Angeles. I knew I had to get out. And um, almost seven years ago, two th- Christmas Day, 2013, I just made the choice. I said, "I'm getting on a plane, and I'm gonna go chase my dream." And um, the first one to 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 come to America. And um, 2020, the best year ever. Said no one, but I just got my green card. And wow, um,
0: congratulations! Yeah,
1: so so it's been a good year for me. And uh, but but I mean, um, yeah, I
0: miss my family. Every single one of them are still in South Africa. Wow, that's amazing. It's uh, a lot of people are trying to bail and get out of South yeah. Africa these days because it's become pretty. Yeah, I They're get afraid,
1: uh, afraid I get swamped dangerous. every day with people asking me to help them, and I you know I tell them I say, hey, it's not that easy, man.
0: No, exactly, and you know a lot of people, uh, especially early on in my channel, ask me how do we get because they know I was a diplomat. I, mean, I was military, but I served with the diplomats in our, in eight different embassies in Africa, and they're like, "How do we get to America? How can you help us get a green card? How do we get out?" And the thing is, you know, as as an American citizen, I have less rights than people who win the the visa lottery. You know, you get these people come over the visa lottery and, and they get here and then they're allowed to sponsor family members to come over. I can't sponsor family members to come to America Yeah, or people that I know as a citizen. So it's it's not as easy as people think it is and our standard. Yeah, are
1: people don't, they don't realize, even for myself, it was, I, I've got it now, so they think, oh, he's got it, he knows that. I said, you guys have no idea what, what I went through to, to, to get to where I am. It's, it's, it's not that easy, it's, no. it's not. And it's sad, but it's the truth.
0: That is in fact the case, yeah. So you started boxing, is it professionally in 2006 and then came to the States in 2013?
1: Uh, 2006, I was uh, I turned uh, 19. Um, started professionally, won my first world title at 24. Um, came to America at 26. I'm, I'm unbeaten, I've never lost on home soil in South Africa. And uh, I'm nine out of 10 in the career. At the moment, I'm nine out of 10 in, in America. One, one nine out of 10 lost to the current world champion and um, I think uh, the latest I've seen I think I'm number 25 in the world right now and uh, you know I'm, I'm proudly South African but I have so much there's so much more to me there's so much more to me than just the boxer there's so much more reason to me why I'm boxing why I'm doing what I'm doing um and and I'm sure we'll get there but uh, yeah uh, turned professional 2006.
0: And you're still boxing. You say you're you're not you're not passing. Yeah. Um, you know what?
1: <laughs> Luckily, you know what? Back in back in, back, in, I want to say back in your days. That makes it sound way back. But but, but that, res- that respect thought- thing is going away now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in the days of Muhammad Ali and and those guys, when you hit 30, 32, people would say it's time to retire. Right? It, it was old. Yeah. Now when you hit 30, 30 is the new twenty because of the whole nutrition fact, the whole way of training, the science behind it. I'm t thirty three years old. Um well I, I don't feel twenty three anymore. I okay, I know there's this but I still have a good five years left. If I you know, I live a very healthy lifestyle. I work out every single day. Um still very active. I was uh you know, I was I was I was scheduled to actually I was scheduled to have a the biggest achievement of my life, in my career at least, on October tenth, I was gonna headline Showtime T V in a main event. Um Here in America, and the event got canceled for COVID reasons. Mm. But um, we are, we are, we are. I'm knocking on the door of a big, big, big opportunity, mainstream, uh, big audience. And um, it's not so much more about me fighting to become a world champion. Obviously, I came to America to because I want to inspire. I want to inspire people in Africa, South Africa, kids, because the sport is dying back home. And because they don't have role models where they look up to and say, hey, but him and him is in, in America. Look at them fighting in Bayou. Look. They don't have people inspiring them. And that's why I came here, because of my vision. But over the years, especially the last two years, that whole reason has has changed so much more than than me fighting to inspire people and show them, oh, I'm living in America. It's now more of fighting for my people, fighting to be a voice. So I'm fighting and I'm working extremely hard to get on that platform where I get on live television, like Showtime in a main event, where I get the the media attraction, the behind the scenes stories, where I can speak out about so much more. So I'm not only fighting for me anymore. It's now, oh, I got to fight for my people, the voice. And uh, very, so very, very much active. Yes, sir.
0: No, that's awesome. You know, and, and that's the thing, you know, it's uh, here in America, we for a long time, we have people mistake, misusing words. And you, you mentioned the word hero earlier. And, and we often hear hero attached to sports uh, personalities. And to me, I say, no, no, they're not. They're not heroes. They're sports icons. Um, that's and, and, it. Yeah, sports no, icons. And so, but the important thing is that celebrity does come with advantages, particularly you get a platform. A following. You get a A voice you get a a voice you get a platform people will listen to what you say i mean look at uh look at uh officer tatum that that black police officer who um spoke out a few years back about uh freddie gray and uh ferguson missouri and all these trayvon martin things yeah and and he told people you guys you're 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 worshiping thugs um you got the story wrong this is not the truth so he was a cop for a couple of years but then he left and now he's uh he's a broadcaster's youtube personality he has over a million people subscribed to his (laughs) channel when he speaks Hundreds of thousands of people listen, and and that's that's the value of celebrity if you use it. That's, wisely. That's the
1: benefit of it if if, if, you, if you use it wisely. That's it. Yeah, man. You know what? I I I get you, I, I feel you, and then, and that gets me sometimes upset when people go. They misuse the word euro so so often. I've had people that say, "Chris, you are you are my euro." I'm like, dude. I'm uh huh. I thank you. But I'm not deserving of that word. I'm I'm a sports icon. I'm a motivator. I inspire you. um, That use that. But I'm, you know what? To me, a hero is someone that steps into some that that risks their own life for someone else, for the safety of other people. Someone that's ready to offer up their 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 life. Someone like you. My dad's my hero. Why is my dad my hero? My dad. Risk. My dad turned his back on a man with a gun to protect his son. That's a hero.
0: Yep. That's a hero. And,
1: you know, we all know where that ended. But that's a hero. Someone that is willing to risk their life for the for the safety of someone else. And that's why you are the hero. You are the hero. No other sports figure is a hero. You are the hero. And people need to understand that. They shouldn't they shouldn't mis, misuse the word Europe.
0: I agree. I agree. It's 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 uh it's it's kind of like the word racist. It's it's so devalued because it's used all the mm. time. It doesn't have the weight that it once did. It's misused. But no. But here is the same way. So you know when I came back to the states uh, from Tunisia in two thousand and one after nine eleven, I came back a couple months after nine eleven from my assignment, and people saw I had an army jacket on you because know, I had a rain jacket, and they'd say, Oh, you're in the army. Yeah. Let me buy me feel food. Let me buy your food. Let me buy food. I'm like, No, no, that's okay. Thanks. Uh. And and they'd always they'd be very friendly and uh, we you know respect our veterans and everything. I'm like, thank you very much. But even back then, I said, listen, I appreciate the support. But listen, um, you've got everyday heroes that are around you each and every day. Law enforcement, you have police officers, you have first responders yes. who to rush into fires, firefighters, people who put their lives on the line Risking each and every day to help and save other people. And those people are true heroes. So don't forget them. And, that's, and, I, and I still say, especially today with all the nonsense going on, people disrespecting law enforcement over a couple of incidents that are blown way out of proportion. It's just horrific.
1: You know, I I, I say this to people, I say, not, 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 and I'm replying to South Africa now, I go, not, not every white man is a racist, because one white man is racist, doesn't make everyone a racist, not every black man is a a murderer, because one, I said, and it's like you just, just because one law, law, law officer has done something bad, doesn't make all of them bad, there's one, there's one. And then it's sad. It's sad. I've got dear friends here in Los Angeles. Uh, the, 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 one of the the captains of the SWAT LA SWAT team mm-hmm. is in my gym and, and a very good friend of myself. And and I feel for him. I phone him often and I, and I speak to him and I say, but thank you. You know, I know it's tough to be you right now, <laughs> yeah. but thank you. And then it's crazy. It's it's you know, he, he opens up to me and I'm like, I don't want to be him right now. It's yeah. it's so tough and it's so unfair. Yep. Because of one guy,
0: no, it's unjust. It it absolutely is, and it drives me nuts. And and it, the whole thing is, it's all for political purposes. I mean, we see the same thing happening in South Africa, not to law enforcement, but to groups of people who are being targeted based on the fact that someone else wants control and power. And it's really, really sad. And that's what's happening here in the U.S. It's just, it's it's really heartbreaking to see that. So, um, let's let's shift a little bit so we don't get get all choked up here talking about stuff that's yeah. really bad news. But. Um, so let me just yeah. ask as a boxer. I mean, you're still active. So, I mean, what kind of routine regimen do you have? Cuz like you said, yeah. it's so, a decade later, you know, now now we're years later and it's about the science, it's about nutrition, it's about it's about the technology, it's about all smart. that stuff. Yeah, about being smart. My so My whole life,
1: my my whole life, my dad, my dad had this one thing, my dad said, "You have to be the hardest working man in the room. You got to work extremely hard." So, so I would run long distance, I would run hard, I would train hard. I would Put my body through so much but you can do that when you're in your 20s yes you can but when you get to your 30s you it becomes more of, oh i gotta train smart now and luckily i have the resource we live in a time where we do have the resources of training more more clever with with the nutrition and the way you eat and and the recovery and what we have at hand for recovery so but my you know i still work extreme not i still have the mindset of I. Hey, i got to be the smartest working guy in the room. I still have that outset, but people don't realize as much, as hard as you work, it becomes now as you got to recover equally. Mm-hmm. So you got to be smart at recovery. What do I do? Like today, I've got an appointment today where I go to this recovery facility where we do an ice bath. Zero degrees Celsius, 37 Fahrenheit ice bath (laughs) for six minutes. So you put your body in there for six minutes. I'll tell you, the first 90 seconds is such a mental blowout because you want to quit and you want to get out and your body hurts. But once you push through the one and a half minutes, your body starts adjusting and you get through six minutes and it's such a good feeling. Mm -hmm. And then I do the hyperbaric oxygen chambers, which is, you can read up about it. Like, it's amazing. It's amazing how... We have this at hand, like, for example, I can now hold my breath for like two minutes, 20 seconds. Wow. And then I get in the oxygen chamber and I can hold my breath for three and a half minutes. Wow. And it just helps you to slow down your oxygen and output the red blood. But anyway, so a day-to-day for me, let's use tomorrow. I'm going to say tomorrow is Monday morning. I will wake up and I will go for a 45-minute jog. Um, Nice, nice jog, 45 minutes around 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. And then uh, I'll get home, I'll, I'll relax, take a shower, have a breakfast, recover a little bit. Um, then at one, at 12, 12 p.m. I'll be in the boxing gym. and that's where we focus on the, the, the jumping rope and the bag work and the technique and the game plan for about two hours. Mm-hmm. Then I'll get home and recover and do my thing. And then tonight I'll have a, a, a quick heart rate exercise. So it's an ab ab workout about 30 minutes and a quick hard rate explosion so I'll get in those whole bike and will 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 get myself my heart rate up into the red zone for about 10 minutes mm-hmm. and then i mean that's my that's that's monday and 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 tuesday will be sparring and um and and monday to friday i i eat very healthy you know it's it's my it's, as hard as you train i tell people this you can train as hard as you want to but if you're going to go home and eat cake and then, then be bad, you're going to get nowhere. Yeah. So the nutrition side of all of this is, is part of it as well. And this is what I tell people. I say, give me the workout. Give me the training every day. It's fine. The tough part is the diet. Yeah. That's, the, that's a challenge by itself. And um, because at some point you go you get to a point where you've got to train three times a day and for consecutive of eight weeks at some point and I got to make weight so I fight in a certain weight division which is wild weight so I'm about 10 pounds out so you got to cut the weight but how do you maintain the the, the intensity of the training and and you still got to diet so you, you got to eat less eat right maintain the energy levels it becomes so much more there's so much science going into it what do I eat? How do I eat it? When do I eat it? It's, it really makes a difference between a, a A class fighter and a B class fighter. It's something like a nutrition wise thing. It's true.
0: No doubt about it. It's, uh, <clears throat> sorry. It's uh, interesting you mentioned that because, you know, I see people. Aside from the sport of boxing, of course, you know, in the military, you got to stay fit. You got to train all the time. I mean, not to the same level, but certainly got to be fit to carry, you know, 70, 80 pound rucksack, you know, and face combat. I've got a
1: question for you. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So you were in the military. You, obviously, you go through the whole fitness thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I remember my dad being in the army, and we would talk about the, the 2.4 kilometer run with a full kit, your gun, the army boots, and do you have a cut off time. So the 2.4 kilometers is what? 1.6 miles? I that's, think it's one point six miles. Did you right. do that? Well, Can you
0: remember that oh, you guys uh, did that? Oh yeah, we, it depends what you do in the military. I mean, the guys in special forces do some things beyond that, but but just uh, generally in your training when you come in. Yeah, no, we uh we did um thirty kilometers. Can you remember your time? I mean it's
1: completely obvious because you guys had it way tough. You had the full kit, the gun.
0: Well we, the we army boots. That's not a it's not a testing requirement, but we did that in basic training and um they, they did Can you remember did, your cutoff time? Well, they, did, they, did, they didn't time us because we ran as a unit, which made it harder for me because I have long, I have long legs and they take those short steps, all the people in front of you. So it's, it's rough on the shins when you can't take a full yeah. stride. But uh, I, did do, um, I did do the two miles with full kit when I went to the Air Assault School. And I fit. What happened is that they, they, they take so many people because everyone who's assigned to Fort Campbell, Kentucky, must go to the air assault school. And many arrive as new soldiers. They've never been to the school. So the division has like 18,000 soldiers. So they have constant courses all the time to go through it. Now, this, of course, air assault is where you repel out of helicopters and then you prepare yeah. you prepare jeeps and trucks to be carried by helicopters. So it's called sling loading. So you do it. But anyway, so what you do is you go through this. The, the first day, the zero day, you show up and I did this in December, you show up, and what they try to do is they want a lot of people to fall out because they, they there's too many people there. There's not enough slots. So they take off, and they give you two miles to run around, um, and, and you take off, and <laughs> all these people sprint, and then they, they don't know that you're running two miles. They just know that you've got to finish with the group. So it's only two miles, so they psych you out. So you go down about a half a mile, and you start to lose people already because they try to sprint and they can't keep up. So my friend and I just took off at a normal pace, which is faster than most people, but not at the very front. And we watched all these people who just couldn't find, make it, just fall There's behind. Us. Hole and as we came, out. we ran around. It was a, a small wood there. We went around the forest and came around. And at the end, you know, we lost about sixty percent of the people, and then we formed our class. But. But from then on, we did we did like 12-mile uh, ruck marches, which were timed. You get a certain amount of time. But my friend and I were at university. We were cadets in in, in in officer training course. So you know, we were young and fit, and we wanted to finish. So we typically jogged the whole way with the rifle and with the the, the Kevlar and the rucksack and everything. Yeah. So I don't remember that's the time. The what?
1: That, that's, that's 30 pounds add-on, 30 well, pounds.
0: Well, in that, in that case, it was 30 pounds. But a lot of times you go to the field, you got 70, 50, 70 pounds, and you got your real kit for war, but yes. 30 pounds, yeah. And of course, you're doing that um, in boots too, which is brutal. Instead of doing it That's in running it. shoes, not Nikes, the, not no, Nikes, no. No, no, no I don't <laughs> so wear Nikes. I, I don't wear Nikes anyway. I'm, I stick to Asics. But yeah, but no trainers. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm I'm an Asic.
1: My running shoes are an
0: Asic. Good job. Good job.
1: Best running shoe. Best running shoe.
0: No doubt about it. By the way, ASICS, if you want to sponsor this channel, we'll be happy to say that again. <laughs> <laughs> this is
1: not a fake spot. <laughs> That's right. But, uh,
0: but uh, we did we did do... Um, now, we have all the time you have to do a test. The Army's just changed its physical fitness test after 40 years. They've just now changed it, which is this ridiculous test. But, but our test was basically two minutes of push-ups, two minutes of sit-ups, and two miles running. And for the two miles running, when I was uh, 18 years old and I was a private and basic training, I ran two miles in 10 minutes and 34 seconds, which is, that's not a world-class athlete, but that is not far behind world-class No, no, athletes. no,
1: that's, that you are beating me when you had, you had a full, oh, my. Oh, no, word. no, no,
0: that's, that, that's, that's not with kit. That's not with kit. That's just, in. in, oh, in yeah, okay, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, my,
1: my best, my best mile on the track, one mile splat out was five minutes, 23 seconds for my first mile. Yeah, so I, I, I would have I can, beaten
0: that over two miles at that age, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, wow. Well and but, then, but, but then, Chris uh, remember I'm six yeah. I'm
0: six two. I got some more no, legs here. <laughs>
1: no, no, it's still so it's it, that lungs. It's, it's also oh, to it do is, with yeah, the lungs.
0: It is, it is, yeah.
1: So you might have the legs, but if you don't have the lungs and the and the push, I'm gonna beat you. That's so, right. so that takes something to to have that. So
0: And then then what happened is um into my twenties I was running habitually uh eleven thirty. 11.30. 11, 11, I slowed down a little bit. Two miles,
1: then, yeah. Then still in my, phenomenal.
0: Then in my thirties, I was around thirteen thirty-five. Um, still, that's you know in my mid-thirties. Uh, by the time I got to my forties, I was running around fourteen, sometimes fourteen thirty. And the last time I ran, it was I think fifteen something. But that was over the age of fifty. Two miles, eh? Two, two miles over the age of 50. wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: a lot of a lot of twenty-year-olds cannot do that.
0: Oh, I know. And I took a lot of pride in that because I'm out there at 52 there and I'm, I'm, I'm dusting the 18 and 20-year-olds sitting back You know what? I,
1: I, have, I, have, I have I have two very good dear friends of mine living in Los Angeles. One is, a, both are in the film industry. The one is a phenomenal actor and the other one is a director. The one is 58. is almost 60. And the one is 55. Two of the hardest working men I know, they're in their, going for their late 50s. They inspire me because of how, it's amazing how, I have so much respect for you guys. Anything above 40, I mean, and, and union 50, I mean, and still running. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of my dad because my dad was sixty-one and he would still wake up. My dad would wake up every day, every single day and he would go for a two-kilometer jog and he'll hit the boxing bag. He was 61 years old and I would look at him and go, Dad, how can I ever be lazy if I have a role model like you? And that's why guys like you and my friend Gary and Frank and my dad, man, you guys are motivators.
0: Hey, Chris, not not the uh, just a second here. Um, uh, there's someone here who actually helped set up the stream, and he's got to go, so I, I don't want to miss him. Shaq Dweller, no. I did see your comment. My apologies, but we're, we're having a, a lekka conversation here. It's going really well. So uh, I'll just get into some of the comments now, Chris, if you don't mind. Uh, Shaq yeah. Dweller, Shack Dweller um, said um, that... Um, uh, please let Chris know that, that Shaq Dweller met you years ago with your cousin, Melissa. Uh, his name is actually Toons. So anyway, so yes. he met you with yes. your cousin, Melissa. Yes. So he just want me to share that. Um, folks, you're listening to Chris Wide Africa on the Adaba Africa channel. I'm Chris, right here in central Pennsylvania. My special feature guest here on this lovely Sunday is the former IBO welterweight boxing champion of the world and a current boxer ranked uh, way up there. This is Chris Heer who's living in California at the moment and training out there. We're just talking about being working out and being fit. And so let me get to some of the comments before we get back to Chris here very quickly. Um, there was uh, me media, you said, got in the ring one time, that was to teach a bully a lesson. He was very big and he bullied me because I was a small guy. I punched him once, he fell like a tree, and since then I've never lifted my hands again.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's
0: it, man. <laughs> that's awesome. How do you beat
1: a bully? How do you beat a bully? You stand up against him. Exactly, that's, that's
0: right. And that's that's what, uh, speaking of bullies, maybe we'll talk about Julius Malema a little bit later on, but uh, <laughs> standing up to bullies. But uh, let's see, so Chad Blingnote says, um, access to all the resources in the world count for naught if your heart and mind are not committed this is how many Absolutely. pro boxers lose their titles to younger and stronger up-and-comers because they're they're not committed to it so that's that's a good comment and then um this one here um I, this is one i don't know if you have anything to say about this chris but i'll ask this uh chad blingo ask um if i can ask your thoughts about corey sanders as a boxer and his untimely oh. death. A- any thoughts on that
1: Oh, man, I knew I knew Uncle Cory personally. And, I mean, Uncle Cory was one of the reasons I dreamed of becoming a, a, a world champion and coming to America because he came here and he knocked out Klitschko. He fought both Klitschko brothers. He destroyed the one, knocked him out in two rounds, and then fought the older brother, which could not knock him out, but let's stop him and run out. Uncle Cory, as a fighter, one of the most talented, fastest heavyweights we've had, um... And then his murder in South Africa was shocking. It was sad. He died hero you know, because you know he wanted to protect his daughter, and um, taken from us way too soon. But um, yeah, one of one of one of the best everweights we've we've had. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. So uh, you know we're talking about working out, and fitness, and and how it matters. And I was going to get to a little point there, and I'll, I'll get your thoughts on this. But before I get to that, Robin. Who's is a longtime viewer of the channel? She's from the Western Cape. Uh, Robin says, "Okay, I'm running in the morning." I <laughs> so, see. Got people motivated. <laughs> but, what, but Chris, what I was getting at earlier is that, uh, and we started ta- we started going off base, but uh, a little bit. But let me get back to this. The thing is that you know you see a lot of people who don't understand the importance of being fit, and, and I'm not talking about being world class boxer like yourself. I'm just talking about a mm-hmm. modicum emot- of fitness just for your cardiovascular system, mm-hmm. just for your your limbs, your sinews. You know, you, you got to use your body parts and, and not just be sedentary so what i always tell people because you always see well, new year's resolution i'm going to lose 10 pounds and i'm going to do this if your motivation is to lose weight unless you're grossly obese then you probably have the wrong motivation working out should be about being healthy being able to sleep properly because your body's functioning properly people lose sight of the thinking fact more clearly exactly people lose sight of the fact that your body is a machine and you got to take care of that machine. You got to maintain it. It's diet. It's exercise. And when I say exercise, I'm not saying you got to go out and run five miles every day. No, if you walk three days a week for an hour, that's a good start. That's it. That's a good that's start. That's exercise. Exactly, and that makes a difference. It mentally helps, helps you. Mentally, it helps you sleep better. For instance, for me, because of my height, if I don't exercise, I know it within a short period of time because my lower back, the muscles get weak from not from not working out. And, and I get sore yeah. back. Uh, I don't have a back problem, but if I don't work out and use those muscles and keep them strong, then they just get soft, and then I get pain there. So I think that's important. Yeah. So what do you, th- you It sounds like you agree with my thoughts on, on working out there.
1: hundred percent. You know what, no, never more were we so more. I mean, 2020, you're gonna have all the money in the world. 2020, health is wealth. With this COVID thing going on, your health is your wealth, and people realize, oh, I gotta be more healthy i got to be more, you know, my heart's got to be stronger. All of a sudden, people that that's out of shape are the ones that's really worried. And they realize, oh, I can have all the money. Have one. Health is wealth in 2020. And it's true. You know what? If you wake up in the morning and you do the first thing you do in the morning is have a little exercise, I can promise you your day is just a bliss. Yep. You know, for the mind, your mind is clear. It feels good. The endorphins you release when you exercise is is you feel good and and like you said uh, this is what I tell people I say go for a jog their first impression is oh I'm tired three miles that's a long way I never you know what cut that this is the thing for someone that wants to get into running for the viewers mm-hmm. you want to really get into running stop putting a distance to your run stop that yep take that out of the question. Put a time to run. So I wanna run, start off easy. I want to run for 10 minutes. We don't I don't care how far you run in ten minutes, just run for 10 minutes. Yep. If it's a mile, it's a mile. If it's 0.5, it's 0.5. And eventually, you know, do that for two weeks. Then you say, Okay, I want to run for 15 minutes. Before you know it, you do run three miles, but take the distance equation out of this, out of your mind and add a time. You just want to run consecutively for 10 or 15 minutes. And that's a big start to to health. You know, I, one thing I do every morning, well, when I say every morning, I'm 80% of the time, um, I get in an ice cold bath. The very first thing I do, I wake up, I go to the bathtub and I the night before I run my bath, cold water, I let it stand overnight. I wake up in the morning, I go on my knees, I say a prayer. And then I stand up and I walk right to the bathtub and I dip myself into a to an ice cold bath for two minutes, and my body goes into a shock. Let me tell you this. It's the best thing you can do early in the morning because you feel you're awake. Your body goes into a shock. You're awake. Your metabolism gets a boost. Your blood pressure gets to level, and you feel alive. Start doing small adjustments. It's small things. It makes a big difference.
0: It does, yep. It's, it's amazing. 100%, 100%. And so, yeah, that's the reason I tell people that when you make those New Year's resolutions, you're like, I'm going to lose this much weight. Stop. That may be a goal, but don't tie the exercise to it because you can exercise all you want and if you don't control your diet, you're not going to gain anything like you talked about earlier. Yeah. But it, the reason for exercising shouldn't, unless you're grossly obese, should not be... To lose weight. I mean, it can be an ancillary benefit, but the key with exercise is to keep your body fluid, keep it smooth, keep it working well for you. And here's the thing, like you said, Chris. To um, be happier. Exactly. To be happier
1: and healthier. You
0: get so many people who start those New Year's resolutions. They go out and they try to run five miles and they come back and they have lactic acid buildup and they're sore. And I'm like, no, stop. Just go walk. And they quit. And they quit, right? Just go walk for 10 minutes the first day. Do that a couple days later. Do it a couple days later. And after a week, if you're good with 10 minutes, do 15 minutes. Then do that Pe- people like I'll never get anywhere oh trust me within a year you'll get so far down the road and you within a work. year you run for one hour exactly if, if you want to do it but the thing is you got to develop the discipline the personal discipline that's what's lacking consistency
1: in yeah consistency exactly. it's being consistent i tell people i say it's it's about doing the same thing over and over and over every single day use me as a as as a, as, a, as, as an athlete I do the same thing. I rehearse it every single day. I do the same thing over and over. And when they see
0: me do it, they go, "Wow, you make it look so easy."
1: Yeah, because I'm consistent. It's yeah. it's consistency that wins the race.
0: Absolutely. And and people look at your, look at your photograph there on the promo banner, and they see those lats and go, "Oh my gosh, how do I get those?" Well, you got to be consistent. You got to work hard. Be consistent. <laughs> got to work hard. I, I look. I got. I got to admit, though, not not playing the role of fanboy here, but man, those lats are impressive. Yeah, that's, 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 <laughs> that's like almost like, it's almost like those, those fake, uh, rib things they make for Halloween costumes. Like, dang, that's you awesome. You know what?
1: I got a funny, very short, funny story. When I was a newborn baby, I had a, I had an operation, um, for my, for my kidney, that kidney problems in newborn baby. So I have a long cut on my, on my, just underneath my abs. Mm-hmm. And when, when, whenever I take my shirt off or whatever, and there's a girl or whatever, and they see it, they go, Oh man, is are those real? <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I, and I have the score to prove it. I go, no, it's implant, but you can touch it if you want to. So they're like, oh, I want to touch it. And I'm like.
0: <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Wait. <laughs> Yikes. That's pretty yeah. funny stuff. So Robin, uh, once again, she, Robin says she works out <laughs> every day. You know, she's the one that says she'll go in the morning, the one from Western Cape. But she says that um, she does work out every day. But now this is really motivating her that's awesome i mean if nothing else we've accomplished on this stream uh chris we motivate some folks about their health which is good i think that really makes a big difference there's a couple other comments i want to get in here very quickly uh ron von ryman who's in the netherlands uh and often comes on and comments in in dutch as if everybody in afrikaans understands and we don't (laughs) but uh, but he uh we 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 love rod appreciate we appreciate him being on here but ron von ryman says uh colonel i did not know chris van heard until now but he must be a very good boxer his ears are in perfect shape and tell his father now his best place there is, uh, let that be some comfort. Oh, okay. I was I <laughs> yeah. saying your dad's, your dad's in a good spot in the afterlife, I think is what he meant to say. So I,
1: that's, I, I believe that. I believe that. And, uh, yeah, they are mistaken the cauliflower ears between boxers and, and, and MMA fighters or wrestlers. We are not, we have, we're all, 99% of boxers have good ears, but thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and also people that get in the scrum in rugby. You notice I don't have color. That's it, and
1: the, the rugby. rugby. You guys are the guys with the <laughs> yeah, no.
0: But I'm on the wing, so I don't have to worry about that. Let those guys go fight in there. <laughs> so listen, yeah. now, that, that that kind of brings up a topic. Uh, it's a sad topic, but um, we we did yeah. say we could talk about this ahead of time. So I mean, a lot yeah. of people watching the stream, Chris, are not from South Africa or, or not necessarily yeah. familiar with your career. And yeah. So one of the reasons that we- makes it this good. Well, one of the reasons that you know talk about having your voice, there's a chance to have it right here and talk about your your people, your folk, Yeah, is um, your father unfortunately was murdered, and um, so if yeah. you could talk a little bit about that. And and I understand that like the the uh, the person who murdered him got like, three hundred dollars bail or something like that. And yeah.
1: three hundred dollars bail, and the man is it's almost two years later, and the guy is still sitting at home. I mean, that's just you know what what South Africa has come about. I mean the 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 politics and the law and and, and all of it is just. It's it's corrupt and it's you know I yeah let's talk about it
0: yeah let's so, so what
1: um, happened to my father my dad you know what my dad was shot in his back with his back turned to a man with a gun it is footage group. on YouTube about it we go on YouTube By there's this footage there's this footage of it on on YouTube and you see the the gentleman. You know, the man standing with a gun in his hand. And, my, you know, my dad didn't even have any weapons. And the guy said, I feared my life. Well, you're the one with the gun in your hand. But let me get even into it more. And let's talk about Julius Malema. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the EFF. Yeah, sure. That, and, and, and there's it. I've got, you know, I'm not making these things up. I, I call a spade a spade. And there's evidence to prove it. You know, this is a political party that stands on a podium and sings songs about killing the boor, the white man, the the farmer. They sing songs about this. They openly, openly on national television and radio motivate these things. Now, there was a man that pulled a gun and shot my dad in his back. I forgave this man, okay? If I want to fight for my people, and when I say I want to fight for my people, I talk about every color. I don't just fight for, believe me, there's black people in that country that's lovely human beings, African people that's lovely, that wants to that wants to, just live in peace and, and see, you know, this corruption and crime and stuff just end. I fight for those people. Now, here's a man that shot my dad. Now, people say, how do you forgive him? Why? I say, well, if I want to stand for something and fight for something and me being a Christian... I had to find it in myself to forgive this man because I I forgave him not so much as for him but more for me to be able to live my life. But then I said there's a a political party like the EFF that stands on podiums and sings songs about killing the white man, killing the farmer, killing the boo. I call this brainwash. There was a man that pulled a gun and was comfortable enough to shoot my father because... It's out in the open. They hear songs about this. They hear this being motivated for, for a second he thought that's okay. And I cannot blame him. And 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 yeah, man, it's 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 you know, I've got all my you asked me about my family. Every single one of them are still in South Africa. Every day I, I fear for their lives because I know how they are living. I know what's going on in South Africa and and yes, yes. Black people are being murdered. White people are being murdered. For some reason, farmers are now the, the main target. Farmers. And I, and I speak about this and I say, we see how our farmers are being brutally murdered. Feet are being cut off, like just in brutal fashion, but they kill our farmers because of hate, because of land. They say we want our land back. Well, if, we all not, if we're not going to stand together as a nation and stand up against this. Well, we will be Zimbabwe very soon. People are going to be starving because the farmers feed the nation. How can you not put your mind around it? How can you not... They're not just feeding one race. They're feeding the nation. And soon, at the rate our farmers are being murdered at the moment in South Africa, there won't be food. We will just be another Zimbabwe doing going down the same line. And that is alarming to me because of the good people in that country. Mm -hmm. And the media is covering this. The media is throwing a deaf ear to this, or they're hiding this. I don't know. But, um, you know, I just, after losing a father to this, or losing a dad to this, and I'm in America, I just feel the need that I, if I can shine some sort of light in it, and that's what I'm saying. I was going to fight on Showtime Television, October tenth. Mm-hmm. We had a huge media coverage that was going to back me, and that was a platform for me to openly speak about why is Christian needed fighting. And and I'll tell you this: more and more people are paying attention. I have people coming to me, American people, American friends, that comes up to me and say, "Dude, what's going on in South Africa?" Like, wow. Why is the world not? Why doesn't the world know about this? Well, it's slowly we're getting it out there. And what's no, it like?
0: It's it's a crazy. It's it's kind of a cover-up. So I mean, honestly, the media intentionally ignores this. And I I try to explain to people that they wonder why governments aren't saying or doing anything about it. it's because they're stuck in this mindset that South Africa is April twenty seventh of nineteen ninety four. And that people are standing in miles long queue to vote for the first time and it's the rainbow nation in kumbaya and there may have been a path where that was happening for a while but with the ascension of jacob zuma and the state capture that started taking place in south africa uh it really has changed and uh, people have this fake uh what i like to call ramophoria because ramaphosa coming in like he's going to save the country and do things i caution people that that's that's not true the guy's not the brilliant businessman that they make him out to be He's also a person that is deeply involved in a lot of the corruption that was taking place, uh, and he's not going to change, in fact, he's made it worse. South Africa today is more dangerous and worse than it was under Jacob Zuma. That's a hell of an accomplishment, Sierra oh. Ramaphosa. What an accomplishment. The country is more dangerous. <laughs> so, did you see, uh, Chris, we're talking about you talking, talking about the uh, kill the boar song, you know, kill, shoot, shoot, shoot to kill, shoot to kill. And of course, they sing it in English now to make sure that people know exactly what it is because And what exactly, they're saying. Exactly, so you don't mistake it. And then on the 16th of October, what we call now Seneca Call 2. The second event took place for the arraignment the uh the eff went there bust in people from johannesburg gave them a couple airtime scratch cards and a t-shirt you know and something like that and a little bit of chibuku or something to drink they show up and they're there to protect state property which is not their role that's the role of the police the military the intelligence services and the bureaucracy that's that it. And, but they show up to protect state property yet they tear the street signs down they smash the concrete rubbish bins they leave their refuse all over the street and they just call this chaos. And then they, their, their leader, Julius Malema gets up and spends 20 minutes, I listened to the entire speech in English, and everything he said is sewage, <laughs> racist, bigotry against white South Africans, all prosecutable under South African law, a violation of South Africa's law and, not, and a nothing sing- exactly. not a single charge And, and, and single sh- just before that he calls his fighters out to attack clicks over an ad from a third party and they attack 44 clicks uh chemist locations around the country including a petrol bomb at one of them and they intimidate customers who are trying to come in and buy their medication or life-saving medication at the pharmacy can't do it as they loot and pillage no charges against julius malema for inciting that violence and then on top of that on the 16th of october in senegal his number three gets up and starts singing in Zulu and then says the important part in English, call the fire brigade, call the fire brigade, burn the boar, burn the boar out, burn them down. And then within 48 hours, 247,000 acres in Northern Free State are in flames. Homes burn, burn far, farm laborers' houses burn, crops burn. And then then people start sending trucks with relief supplies from Tang and, and, and Northwest down. All over. And they, they attack the trucks and burn the trucks. They burned a truck with concrete on it and looted a truck with concrete bags of concrete and tore all the bags of concrete up. What, what the hell is that? That doesn't make what, any sense. What does that
1: got to do with it?
0: Right. You can't, what the hell you can't even, you can't even say, well, that was because they were hungry. Well, they're not hungry. You don't eat concrete. That's just, that's <laughs> an, that's an orgy. Well, I hope they don't eat concrete. That's an orgy <gasps> of violence in a, that's dom- a, it's an orchestrated, being domestic, motivated domestic terrorist campaign against South Africans of all it's races.
1: A, it's motivated. It's, it's, it's motivated. It's, people say, how you you say it's motivated? It's what, what do you call it? It's motivated. Your leader is motivating the killing. Uh, come on.
0: Yeah. Let's be honest here. Let's be honest here.
1: Let's be honest. Let's just call a spade a spade. And I tell, you know what? This is the thing. This is what makes me say. I've got so many African brothers. That's lovely people supporting me, loving me and believes in the same things I believe and know and fight against the EFF and, and, that's tired of this. And then you get, I feel this is because Malema is what?
0: Early thirties? Yep.
1: Early thirties, young leader, that's now brainwashing the uneducated young youth.
0: And it's, ah, it's, And ah. In the meantime, the things the ANC are focused on are stealing people's liberty, destroying the economy, and playing this game of, you know, leveling the playing field from the apartheid era. They've gone beyond leveling the playing And then let's field. talk about
1: our police force.
0: Let's talk about uh, our military.
1: Let's talk about they are the most corrupt, if I'm not mistaken. They are the most corrupt. Yeah. I, and I, you know what, I go back home once a year. I was back home in November last year for my sister's wedding. And it's not even, it's not even funny anymore when you get pulled over by a police officer or whatever. The first thing they do is they ask you, hey, that's it they, this is it they pull you over and they say hey boss I'm hungry what <laughs> can you do for me then you you know what you can do for him and they, all they need is they need their little bride you give them 20 rand 50 rand by the way one dollar or five dollars and they let you off it's
0: crazy. they let you
1: off they are so corrupt
0: yeah absolutely crazy and I think
1: and I think to myself then I live here in Los Angeles now Los Angeles has got its own problems America's got its own problems but I'm talking about the police force the military out here man it's scary you get pulled over your hands on the steering wheel there's no bribe you pay you pay for your mistake mm-hmm. and that's the right thing that's that's why that's why you pay your parking ticket you pay your traffic fine you 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 stop at the red light because you know what the
0: consequences South Africa the people that's supposed to protect you is in on all of it they are so corrupt well, the farm murders, we, we've seen evidence of, of law enforcement involved in the farm murders, uh, police firearms used in the commission of the, assa- the murder and assassination. And as you got to earlier, these aren't just murders. You know, it's not being shot. These are four, six-hour, all-night-long torture sessions in which uh, children are gang-raped, babies are dropped into boiling water in a tub, uh, electric uh, rods are used, um, uh, cattle prods are used, pliers are used, um, it's uh, throats. I mean, we saw in, in August um, a 26-year-old Indian woman, on the Ayub farm in Vienna, uh, down in KZN, she was. Uh, she had her four-year-old and 8 year old son. They broke in the house. They were in the bedroom with her. They took her into the bathroom. She's four months pregnant, obviously pregnant, and they cut her throat and left her to die. Uh, so she died, of course. I mean, brutal. I mean, brutal. Okay. and let's and, and, and let's not talk. Let let's, let's talk about this.
1: Yeah. There's this, this uh, it's not like, like Julius Malema Singh, the white boer, the Afrikaner there's there's good black people that's being murdered by black people good african people that's being murdered their lives are taken by their own people every Not single every single government. day over 50 black everybody Afghans. of women are being raped kids are being raped and murdered by their own people but they 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 blame the white man and i'm like guys
0: wake up wake up absolutely no it's 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 crazy because um, it's just the nonsense that, that is perpetuated in what people say. It just goes on and on. And and it, it's uh, I, I talked about this story about a young man in Soweto just about a week or so ago, 10 days ago. He and his uh, best friend, they were standing outside her place in Soweto. And um, she's a young lady. And they're talking. And this gang of toitsi come up and start harassing them. And it's obvious that they want to drag her off and rape her and murder her based on the way they behave. And they're like, hey, you're with me. And she just kind of ignores them. So they get more aggressive. So her friend... Pushes the gate open so she can get under the gate and get in, and she escapes into her house. And so for that, for doing the right thing, they shot him dead right there in the street.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And you know what? The press doesn't barely talks about it. Uh, the television doesn't talk about it at all. And every time you talk about a white farmer being murdered in South Africa, you get this nonsense. Oh, you're just a racist. All you care about whites. Uh, I report. That's it. I report on all South Africans that get murdered. That I can find information. Yeah. And I, I can, talk I can, about
1: can... the black people being murdered by exactly. the black
0: people. The black woman and black kids that being
1: raped and killed by their own people i talk about that i fight for those people exactly they don't want to see it the moment you say a white man it's like oh you're racist you're just fighting for the white man i'm like i can i can speak up and say i'm fighting for all 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 colors of people i i can say that i can say i'm fighting for the black people being murdered by black people the good black people that, that fear their life and then i can add on the back And I'm fighting for the white man is being murdered, and then the only thing they want to see is the fact that I said, "Oh, fight for the white man." They're like, "Oh, you're racist." And I'm like, "Did you not? Do you not hear or see what I'm what I'm saying? Why are you guys so?"
0: So let me, put this and, in perspective. Uh, let me put this in perspective, Chris, real quick here. So I have lived yeah. in about 15, 16 different countries around the world, lived all over Europe, been to virtually every country in Europe except for Albania and Bulgaria. And, uh, and I've been uh, all over the Middle East, lived in the Middle East. I've lived in North Africa. I've lived all over Sub-Saharan Africa in eight countries in Africa. I have obviously known tens of thousands of people, met hundreds of thousands of people in the course of my life. I do not personally know a single person in my lifetime who was ever murdered. And here in this conversation, we know about your father being murdered, and those who are able and, and comfortable sharing, just really quickly. Let me share very quickly just a couple of things here very quickly. So we've got um, a comment from Emil. Ther- Emil says, "Our doctor was murdered, and my brother-in-law and his family nearly became a statistic." Uh, and then Jeanette. Jeanette she said, "I just chose to forgive those that killed my sister." Uh, if this is. I mean, and that's. I know there's, and then Erica was nearly <laughs> murdered on her farm. Uh, she was chased off her farm. It's it's just utterly insane. And it's this didn't just happen today. This has been going on for over two decades in South Africa, and the world has ignored it. The world has sat there quietly. The world must know. The world must know what's yes, happening sir. in South Africa. It must know. Yes, yes, sir. Yep, absolutely. It's just it drives me. Absolutely no, thank nuts.
1: you, thank you, thank you for using your platform.
0: Well, I'm thank trying. You. We're trying, trying to grow the platform. Well, we, we're get more, trying. Get more, get more people trying. to know about it. So. Uh, get more people to know about it because uh, it's it's really not being covered. There's a few, Sky News has talked about a few times in Australia, and there's a little bit of reporting in the United Kingdom, but most of the media cover this stuff up. The the media are so lame, so fake, so disgraceful, trying to achieve political uh, narratives, and their job is supposed to be the role of the fourth estate. They're supposed to be the ones who call out the government when it's misbehaving. Who's calling out the ANC? while While people are burning farms and burning livelihoods in South Africa, the ANC is suspiciously quiet. In fact, they attempted to cover up the fires when they first started because they reported that it was a service delivery protest. Of course, the problem with that lie is that this was at 4 a.m. when the fires were started. And who is mm. out on a rural road in the free state in the pitch dark, not near cameras, not near people, in the morning. protesting a service delivery at 4 a.m. when there's a lockdown and no one could be on the streets at 4 a.m.? What an utter bunch of nonsense. They think that people are that stupid. That's how unsophisticated they are as liars. It's really disgraceful, really disgraceful. Yeah, so let's let's uh, let's uh, shift again back real quick, Chris. We're we're at one hour here. So, folks, you're listening to Chris yeah. White Africa on the Adaba Africa Channel here, and awesome uh, guest today. My guest is uh, former IBO welterweight. Ch- I started to say heavyweight, welterweight champion of the world. Uh, Chris Van Heerden from South Africa who currently is living in California. And I'm sorry about that, Chris. I mean, we could do better for you in America than California, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, 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 no. <laughs> But uh, but uh, he's my guest today. And I don't know if you can stay a little bit longer, Chris or not. But we got a few more questions. Are you able to stay a little bit longer? You gotta yeah. cut out.
1: Okay. Uh, you know what, boss? I honestly I got about two minutes and I have to Okay, so today. this is I got yeah. a meeting and no worries. Minutes, yeah.
0: busy guy. Plus, you got a big workout schedule. So we'll ask one last question here that came up. Yeah. Um oh yeah. Okay, so this is from Hank Klopper. He said, uh, "Who was or who is your favorite South African boxer?" Khari Brian Mitchell. There's so many,
1: uh, but Uncle Khari, Khari man, the heavyweight. Khari There, go. there
0: you go. That's it. And I'll, I'll ask my last, final question, Chris, and I'll invite you back um, when we hear you got another match. We'll please, kind of, guess, please, yeah, you're please, welcome, please. You're welcome please, to come please. back on the channel. Um, so, listen, um, my question to you, that I really wanted to ask you. Kind of, I'll play the role of fanboy here, okay? Because well, come on, tell me the deal. So what is your most memorable bout? Uh, and it may or may not have been when you won the championships or it may have been another bout. Which is the one that, that sticks you with the most that you'll always remember?
1: Obviously, the night I wonder the, the, the IBO world title was was the night I won the world title was was such a huge highlight of my life. But also my first fight with Freddie Roach, the legendary trainer Freddie Roach, because I spoke about this. I spoke about this. I believed it as a kid. I said, dad, my dad said, one day you'll be able to, be with with Fred Roach. Now as a kid growing up in South Africa, mm-hmm. seeing these legends and manufacture on TV, you it's 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 a it's only a dream, but I believe that. So my first fight not only did Manifaccio, uh, not only did Fred Roach I had Fred in my corner, I, the fight was also in Madison Square Garden. No. So I did <laughs> I fought in Madison Square Garden with Fred Roach and I remember that feeling of walking into that 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 arena and the energy in that place and I realized I said I've 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 done good, I've done good. So it was 2015. I fought an unbeaten fighter with the name of Cecil McCullough. It was 20 and 0 American kid, and um, I had Freddie in my corner and we and we won him and we beat him in Madison Square Garden. That was that was a a big one for me.
0: No, Madison Square Garden, I've been there, it's an amazing arena and it's right there in the heart of New York in Manhattan. And you just you yes, you just, you just, you just soak it all in, it's just amazing. The energy
1: in that place is just wow. Yeah,
0: unbelievable. All right, Chris, I gotta let you go because uh, you got stuff to do. I wanna thank you, for, you're very kind with your time. It's been a pleasure to get would to know you. I would love to
1: be back on with you, sir. I would love to be back on. And I wanna thank you again. You are the Euro and um, what an honor. What an honor, you're a good man. And thank you for fighting, to be a voice and highlighting what's happening in South Africa. I mean, we need more people like you, and I want to thank you for trying and and using what you have um, for 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 the people out there. Thank you.
0: Oh, it's uh, my pleasure. It's uh, my pleasure. So thanks my a pleasure. lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, thanks a lot, Chris Van Heeren, Thanks a lot, thank folks. You, sir. He's going to drop off now, ladies and gentlemen. And that was Chris Van Heerden. There you go. Um, all right, well, thank you so much, Chris, for, for joining me today. That was uh, was an, a distinct pleasure. I really, really enjoyed that. And uh, it's unfortunate we have to talk about some of the horrors of things. You know, we were talking about sports, but, of course, uh, it's an opportunity to talk about the bad things happening in South Africa. Of course, uh, Chris knows them up close and personal. Sadly, his father was taken uh, by a cowardly a person who shot him in the back. Uh, but his father died a hero, and... Um, unfortunately, too many heroes in South Africa, too many heroes. Uh, It's really unfortunate. And unfortunately, we're getting heroes here in America now who are standing up to thugs and fascists who are brutally attacking people in our own streets of America. It's just insane. I I can't believe that this is the world in 2020. It's absolutely insane. But my many, many thanks to uh, Chris Van Heer, former IBO welterweight champion of the world wow my first uh first boxer i've ever interviewed that's pretty cool i enjoyed it thanks for tuning in folks um i i'm not certain on the night owls edition today i've got so much to do i may do it but if i do it'll be a short one so maybe I'll schedule it. we'll do a short one today um, if you guys want the Night Owl edition. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Also to Chris's brother for popping in there. That was a pleasure. I hope you become a subscriber to Chris Africa. I think you'll find content that you find interesting and hopefully compelling, something you want to do. Please uh, spread the word folks as we get uh, more and more guests on here who have some experience in um south africa or who are south africans and also from around the world who know africa and uh, thank you so much for tuning in folks we're going to go ahead and and close it here in just a moment but any last questions from anybody now that uh chris has gone off you might want to ask let me look over here um looks like um roberto wilco roberto Roberto wilco there you haven't seen that before welcome and uh thank you everybody all right well then we're going to close it out here and i want to thank everybody for tuning in just need to get over here so I can see my screen and make sure that closes stream out properly. There we go. All right, well, thanks, folks. Um, I, I, I guess I'll do the night owl. Um, uh, what's this? Uh, Adam Stander says, uh, Chris von Heeren's brother is also a nice guy, Danny. Yep. All right, cool. Well, I didn't get a chance to meet his brother. We just had that one line where he popped in there, so thanks for that. And AC says, California compared to home would be like paradise. Well, California compared to most places like paradise. Unfortunately, it's run by a bunch of absolute lunatics right now. And most of its congressional representatives are lunatics. And uh, with the loons running the asylum, it's difficult to say things about South Africa. Anyway, folks, uh, thank you so much. Um, The one and only one. Thank you for what you're doing. Well, you're most welcome. It's my pleasure. I I hope that you guys... uh, Get something useful out of this. And please uh, share the word. Share this on your social media platforms, whether you use Instagram. By the way, if you look below the video, if you're curious to find more about Chris or follow him, his Instagram and his Twitter links are in the video uh, in the description below the video. So check that out. Uh, it, uh, it's uh, it's a good place to go find information about him and learn about his upcoming bouts and follow his career if you want to do that. All right, folks, I'm out of here. Um, I mean, I think I'll schedule a short Night Owls edition later on today. So, Oh, Danny was EFC champ. Well, thank you for standing, uh, sharing that, Adam. I didn't know that. All right. Cool beans, folks. God bless. Thanks a lot. We'll catch you here later on the channel for a short uh, abbreviated edition of the Night Owls edition edition of Stray Vulture Day. Thanks a lot, folks. And many, many thanks once again by by a donkey, uh, Chris Funhead. It was a pleasure having you on and a pleasure getting to know you. All right, folks. Cheers. Whoa. Look at that. That's all messed up. Should have shut that down first.